You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Show, episode 183. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook, and keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. Great to be with you again this week. I am just a static image this week as I am coming to you live from the LD Micro Conference in beautiful LA. We will chat about the event next week as it is just kicking off. In our News of the Week segment, we look at an open letter to Zuck as Meta shareholders tell the founder to limit spending on the metaverse. Big Chinese tech drops again this week as Chinese President Xi Jinping tightens his grip on power in the country, the UK getting a new prime minister, and it's considered a market-friendly choice. And finally, comments from the former Bank of Canada governor, Stephen Polos, on walking the line between taming inflation and not crushing the economy. In our Your Stock, Our Take segment, Aaron answers a listener question on Interjex, Renewable Energy Inc., symbol INE on the TSX, an independent renewable power producer which develops, acquires, owns, and operates hydro facilities, wind farms, solar farms, and energy storage facilities. The stock has pulled back quite a bit and has an attractive yield, the li- a listener asks us if we see it as a buy at present. In our Stars and Dogs segment, Brennan's Dog of the Week is Pyrogenesis Canada Inc., PYR on the TSX, which designs, develops, manufactures, and commercializes advanced plasma processes and sustainable solutions which reduce greenhouse gases and are economically attractive alternatives to the conventional dirty processes. His star of the week is Propel Holdings, Inc., symbol PRL on the TSX, an online financial technology or fintech company with a proprietary online lending platform. Brett hits the mailbag this week and answers a listener question on Neuron Wireless, Inc., symbol NUR on the CSE, a leading rural telecommunications company that meets the growing demand for wireless networks coverage in remote and rural areas around the globe. Let's get to the show. I welcome my co-hosts, Aaron and the Killer Bees, Brennan and Brad. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Great, great. Yeah, I'm expecting, I I, I don't know why, I'm expecting that ratings are going to go through the roof for the show. There's just something that looks this is really a little funny. different about it. It just mm. looks a little bit different. And <laughs> I like it. Whatever we're doing, we got to keep doing The lowest rated it. show of all time. That's all. That's my call on this one. We just got to keep this going, whatever we it is. Get my ugly mug off there, and it's going to be great <laughs> for ratings, I'm sure. Now, I've heard that uh, we got some crazy weather. I am I was in Anaheim over the weekend, and it was, you know got up to 30, 32. Um, but you've got snow. We've got snow in Alberta. And we got proof of it here. And so snow in Saskatoon, correct? Correct. Yeah. There we go. Outside Brett's Brett's mansion. Yeah. 
About half a foot. Oh yeah, huge. <laughs> yes. And and Brennan, his picture of him, of course, just on yep. a golf course. Yeah. What, what are these guys are just living the life, eh? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking You're forward to making any snow, snow castles bit. out there or anything. No. Right. No. Yeah. Um, I'm still Where's a little bit behind. Angel, Brennan? There's Brennan. There's mine. Yeah, that's oh, the that's golf weak. course behind. No, that's weak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, it's snow. It's you know, it's snow. But yeah, I need to put on my winter tires still. I don't think that that's something that you guys are familiar with in uh, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are, but uh, I wouldn't know since I'm. You change your tires? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do change my tires, but uh, I haven't mm-hmm. changed them yet. So, you know, probably have to do that pretty soon before I get stuck. And so how we have deep to, do you we have to put chains on? on the way to whistler sorry yes. yeah no that's true we do have to on the way to yeah. whistler how, how deep do you expect the snow to get brennan Let's i mean it depends you. like you know um a few feet probably i mean mm-hmm. over the winter um yeah like this golf course here that's pulled up i actually have uh, one of my friends lives on the other side of this golf course so you know, many times I'll be walking home <laughs> late night through a foot of snow uh, across this golf course. And uh, one time, actually, my my ears got so, uh, I guess, wind burnt and even just like a frozen um, that the next day I woke up in my bed and my ears were just burning. I'm lucky I didn't lose them. But, uh, you know, they are pretty big. They are pretty big. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. That's nice. So how many times a winter do you come out of your igloo there? Um, well, it depends if I have to feed the the sled dogs or not. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I keep them on a pretty good uh, eating schedule. So just kidding. No, I, I, I go to the gym quite a bit and whatnot. But uh, I will say it is nice to be uh, nestled inside in the in the warmth. Um, well, it is snowing. <laughs> Does that sound bad? They just you? don't understand. <laughs> they don't yeah, I know. It's true. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah, no, I was, it was 30 plus degrees Stop and uh, we were at Disneyland for a, a few days. And I, I'll tell you, like the, the amount of money that you now spend at Disneyland, Aaron was again, just looking at uh, Disney as a stock, you know, as we are to want to do all the time. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they really ding you for everything down there now. And it's no wonder their results are looking uh, pretty strong. So, yeah. oh yeah, there's... <laughs> You got pictures up there. Oh, come on. I thought we were going to not have this. There's usually one of the back of Eric's head, but it's impressive to see. Mm -hmm. It's it's funny in that picture because he's like, he's almost as tall as Aaron now, but you can't tell. Like, I think he's might be taller than you now. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Last time I saw him, he was quite tall. It's crazy, man. Anyway. I think you just got to cut off, you know, a portion of that picture and it would look great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Maybe the right hand side, right? Yeah. You know, there you go. Zoom yeah. in a bit. There's three uh, people in there that can oh, stay. Oh, that's in. hideous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, kind of well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you can get the, the video of Eden in there with her lightsaber. If we Maybe we get that later. Because I know everybody wants to see that, but I do. Also, she will be happy if I show it. So I'll, I'll get a win, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was Which a little is, bitter. Okay, well, you know, we're on the, preparing. On the, on the, topic of walt of walt disney Disney. just as a stock just so we uh we can just chat about that a little bit ryan was talking about the many creative ways i've been down there myself as well but ryan was talking about the many creative ways that disney has has figured out to separate people from their money right and in the past of course you know you you 
would pay a you know fairly high ticket to a theme park and you'd be, be able to go to the rides right well you know disney you you get your your all access pass but it's not really all access you know you can pay a little bit more there's more it's more for the genie is that right ryan yeah yeah and that's, and that's if, so that you can plan your rides right yeah and you get yeah. like one like a, it used to be called a fast pass but it's like a lightning lane every like two hours you get one yeah. to avoid the lineups but yeah it's it's only one every two hours right right but, so in any event it's it's but it's another way of them to get money from people, and there's right? also and then like, for really great rides yeah you also have to pay more so like rise of the Res- resistance for example which is awesome. an extra 20 to 30 dollars yeah. which i've done it i would highly recommend but looking at you know at the company stock price has been cut in half over the past year it continues to be a great brand and the analysts, um, the financial performance has been very strong. The analyst results expecting about three ninety three in earnings per share is the consensus up from $2 last year. So from a valuation perspective, starting to look interesting. And this is a company we've talked about to our clients in the past as something that's at the top of our monitor list. Um, but uh, given that Ryan just went down there for research purposes, mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll have to have a meeting and see if there's potential to upgrade. Yeah, I think three dollars of that three ninety three was from my family spending down yeah. there over the past weekend. So, yeah, it's true. No, uh, we. I was also. I, I wanted to say I was on Mike Campbell's uh, Money Talk show over the weekend. Uh, uh, you know, I really enjoyed talking to Michael again. It was, it was. I think it was a good segment. Brennan liked it. Yeah, so, great you know, conversation. That's like saying my mom liked it though, almost. But <laughs> but Brett, Brennan. That said makes me good. hate I, it. <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was a good wow. segment. Talked about a couple of companies, and we obviously we talked about our upcoming uh, seminars. And by by the way, like I the, the the tickets are growing tremendously well. It, you can tell that people, you know, want advice, want our take, uh, which is nice to see. On you know the site, the seminars are called "Building a Stock Portfolio: Doing a Bear Profit in the Boom." So November second, seven p.m. Pacific. November eighth, seven p.m. Eastern. Um, it's it just talks about essentially reviewing how to position your portfolio to for twenty twenty three broad risks and opportunities. The twenty twenty two drop North American stocks. It marked the worst drop in fifty two years. So how did we get? where we are today, where the valuations are and what to do going forward, how to build that simple 15 to 25 stock portfolio. That is the live webinars. We also have a special VIP package uh, in Vancouver and Calgary where you can attend those events, get all our research for a year. Uh, Those are five hours on, I believe, the fifth and sixth starting at 11 a.m. local time. And uh, we will, you know, have lunch there. Lunch, especially with Aaron Dunn, he'll sit down with you. Probably Brennan will actually spoon feed people lunch. I think that's what will be going on. Oh, <laughs> uh, we can't sure. promise that. I'm sorry. No, and, as and much yeah, as everybody um, wants that. Yeah. And I but will say we have we have, we have five hours for this event to really yeah. go through. Yeah, you know some some tools, some great tools that we've learned over the past twenty five years in the markets and helping people set up their portfolios. On one hand, if you are just building a portfolio, how do you how do you go about that? How do you start? What is the process? What ton of, type of companies should you put in there? Um, questions yeah. like asset allocation, risk tolerance, these things are things that we can, that we're gonna address, can help people figure out. Um, but also people that have an existing portfolio and they don't really know what to do with it. Like, how are you gonna review that portfolio? 
and fine tune it and optimize it. Um, that's, that's another subject that we're going to cover as well, but we have a good amount of time that gives us the ability to really kind of dive deeper into some, some important critical areas that people really need to know. Yeah. And tickets have been selling very well for that too. I will say that, you know, we just have a few seats, uh, left available for both Calgary and Vancouver. Um, so good turnout there. It'd be nice to actually get in person and shake some hands, especially from current clients and, you know, I haven't really been uh, at a client or fist event bump like if this. you're more comfortable with that. Or fist bump, whatever yeah. you're, you're into. You know, <laughs> Ryan will probably be offering hugs, uh, kisses on the cheek maybe. Uh, we'll that's, see. That's getting weird, okay? What is <laughs> just happening? Kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But yes, uh, make sure you get your, your tickets to those events. Before they sell out, there are just uh, a few seats left in each city. It's yeah, it is true, and with that, the VIP events were limiting it. So, uh, it yeah. you know, we just announced those last week, and it looks like we'll have full rooms in both city, which is really cool, really yeah. great, great to see. Yeah. So let's let's get to our. I think we're good on that. We'll get to our news of the week. Yeah. Correct. Let's do it. Well, let's start with Meta shareholders. Can we do that, or what do we yeah. got? Yeah, Meta, yeah. we got it. Perfect. Um, they were telling Zuckerberg to stop spending on the metaverse. Uh, there was an open letter that just some background shareholders are kind of restless. Meta stock is down around 61% in 2022 alone. So Altimeter, uh, capital chair, Brad Gerster, Gerstner, sorry, I can't speak right now. There you go. In an open letter to the company said Meta has too many employees and is moving too slowly to retain the confidence of investors. Meta investors recommended the meta investor essentially recommended a plan to get the company's mojo back. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a complete plan, but I think there was a plan offered, but <laughs> it includes reducing the headcount expenses by 20% and limiting the company's pricey investments in the metaverse technology to more, no more than 5 billion per year. I believe they're spending in the range of ten billion per year right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. At, so, just to give you some color, at the end of the second quarter, uh, that company that uh, penned the letter, Altimeter Capital, held more than two million shares of Meta. So that would be around two hundred and sixty million uh, investment in the company. Still small in terms of the entire value of the company, but you know, it's it's a. It, there's a growing disconsent in Meta. Uh, I mean, and I think the the letter is a vote of less confidence about the company's ambitions in the world of virtual and augmented reality. I'm sure that Zuckerberg, Mark, would say that uh, this letter is likely focusing more on the short term and Meta is thinking 10 years out. I mean, that's yeah. what they've been looking at. But, you know, it, the stock market is is a little myopic. It does focus quarterly. And, um, uh, you know, the quarters have not been not been stellar of late from Meta. And, uh, you know, there's further concerns on the horizon in the near term. So we could discuss. Yeah, that's the question. I mean, near term growth for the company. Um, like we did include uh, Meta as one of the companies um, just as a monitor report in our larger U.S. technology SaaS report. And that was the thing when we came to Meta. It's, you know, the next big thing for Meta is the metaverse. And, you know, we wrote here, the financial problem is it is a decade away from Zuckerberg's uh, admissions. So, you know, he's even saying that we are potentially a decade away of this bearing fruit. So, 
you know, I can understand why investors are, you know, a little hesitant. Um, and we, we've gotten a lot of questions in the chat room uh, with clients about metaverse asking, well, you know, the stocks pulled back a, a lot. Is it now the time? Well, you know, looking at the growth, it, it may pay to be a little bit patient here because um, who knows uh, when the metaverse will bear fruit or if it will, you know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's sure. I mean, it's one of those things that's impossible to say when you're investing for something that, you know, you're expecting to happen five to 10 years out. But it's, it's interesting because yeah. it was two weeks ago I, I, I was talking with my cousin and he's he's certainly somebody who would be, you know, a primary tar target market. Um, for the metaverse, I mean, he's he's millennial. He's very into like you know what's going on in tech, keeping up on it, and just kind of being like one of the one of the innovators. And he was talking about the metaverse um, and about how you know, given the amount of money that Facebook has invested into it or Meta has invested into it, that it's just been a complete flop, right? With with uh, um, embarrassingly low number of daily users, and uh, so it's it's it doesn't surprise me now to hear you know as Ryan said investors are always going to look like quarter to quarter. Zuckerberg may very well be right, but he renamed the company to Meta. So obviously this <laughs> is this is the direction that the company is going to take. It's not, you know, oh, we think that there might be an opportunity to invest a couple hundred million in this area. It's like they see this as the future of the company. And one of the big things that we have, you know, one of the big concerns that we've had when it comes to Meta and Facebook is just that, you know, social media, can be a very trendy thing, right? And I know that for the younger generation, they're not into Facebook, right? They're into Instagram for sure, which is owned TikTok. by Meta. But yeah, but yeah, yeah TikTok the is the big one. Yeah, TikTok, Snapchat. Um, but you know, so it's just a matter of now can can Facebook or Meta, you know, invest in other things or acquire other things to always have, you know, the the top or the cool social media platform. And that's what they're trying to do. Obviously, it's going to take a big investment and there's going to be a lot of risk. Um, yeah. Just for context, last quarterly report that the company put out, revenue was flat. Earnings per share were down about 32%. So, yeah, the uh, the investors. Yeah, and that's happy. the issue. It's, you know, we look for growth at a reasonable price. Maybe you're historically, it looks like a reasonable price. Are you having, are you seeing growth in the business right now? And that's where it doesn't meet our criteria. And I'm not side. somebody who really like, I'm not going to be somebody who really gets to know the metaverse very well. That's not something that I, for myself, want to explore. Not, not so much for an, in entertainment, at least not as like an early innovator. Um, mm -hmm. So I have no idea if their, if their investments are going to be successful. It really, it really seems like a bit of a, uh, like a bit of a crapshoot. So, you know, yeah. it's, it could very well be, or it could not be. You just never know. It, it could turn out to be absolutely incredible for the company long-term, or it could be the end of the company long-term. It's it's very difficult yeah. for anybody to say at this point. And I know there was All some right. pushback, just one last thing. I know there was some pushback yeah. on uh, Meta for making Instagram and Facebook too much like TikTok. Like I know, I think it was Kim Kardashian and Kylie Jenner came out and said, make Instagram, Instagram again. And then they were complaining that Instagram is trying to be TikTok. So you can see Instagram and Facebook have been pushing towards these short videos, which is what has the young generation's attention uh, in this day and age. Even, you know, uh, YouTube is doing the same. Um, but, you know, there are some growing pains as they're trying to, you know, retain, you know, those eyeballs on uh, the screens and whatnot. So I know that there has been some pushback there, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, Kim knows, so.
Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so now let, let's shift gears to uh, Alibaba, Tencent uh, shares in Chinese uh, tech giants plummeting to start this week um, down uh, after Chinese President Xi Jinping tightens his grip on power there. The moves and the stocks come after he can't. It's this paved the way for an unprecedented third term as a leader for Xi and packed. He packed essentially his core circle of power with loyalists. So investors are fearing continued strict policies that can hamper growth of tech giants. And very there's very few few people can challenge Xi's policies even those that are uh, negative for growth. So, you know, he's, he's in the, you know, considered not so great for big tech in China. And, uh, you know, you seeing as he again, circles his wagons for a third term, essentially, uh, Chinese big tech is suffering, you know, to start this week. Uh, it is a segment that we have had our clients avoid for uh, almost a decade now and will continue to at this point. I don't know if there's much comment on that, really. No, I mean, we already it. commented on it before. It's it's very difficult to really understand the, uh, the, the market, the economic system in China. It'd be very difficult to navigate it. I mean, you know, we still don't know where Jack Ma is, right? So... You, you 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 say one thing or or be construed as being against government policy even if it's not you know strongly against it or directly against it and uh, they can essentially just shut down your business and like they, they didn't you know when Jack Ma spoke out um, it was against a specific policy not that the gov not that the Communist Party should be in power but just against one of their economic policies and um, it was uh, it was pretty disastrous for the for his companies Um and for the, for their shareholders because he he essentially disappeared for him as well, but um, on top of that the uh, the his companies got hit with a lot of restrictions. So it's just it's um yeah it's it's not the type of environment that I would invest in. And this is you know with G having more power for longer, it's just it's going to continue to go in that direction. It seems, and that's why the market's not happy about it. So yeah. And I think I was talking to Brett about this earlier, and he was saying that there was an actual video online where Xi Jinping is, um, you know, he, he publicly removes, is it the past mm -hmm. prime, minister, prime minister? Yeah, past prime minister Hu Jintao, which was the leader from, I think, 2002 to 2012 or so. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where it's opaque. They haven't really given a reason. It's, I think they said he was feeling sick. <laughs> but in, in the video, it's very obvious he yeah. didn't want to move. And this was essentially the second in command sort of uh, in the Chinese Communist Party. There's various factions and he was the opposing faction compared to Xi Jinping. Yeah. And yeah, so he he's led out in the middle of the once in a five year conference, the biggest really political shift where they effectively set the next five years or decade even of uh policy for the country and a former leader in the yeah. middle of it being let out publicly yeah it's just a modern day public political purge at that point yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that's, that's how i see it then yeah and again one of the reasons why we're just avoiding you know even if you look at tech valuations there and they look attractive it's just we can't you know, you can't trust the numbers in those mm -hmm. companies, to be honest. And, and it's hard to get a grip on what, it, you know, 
anything that we'd like to know to investigate deeper into a company like that. That's why it's just an avoidance right now of that, uh, of, of anything that's uh, listed over there, or even, you know, the ADRs that are listed on over in North America that are companies doing business there. So we'll shift gears. The UK again, once in the news, the bond market rallies after Rishi Sunak became, or looks to be becoming the prime minister of the UK. Um, now, uh, having served as a chancellor, um, under in the Boris Johnson government, I believe Sunak is seen as a better, better equipped. He's seen as better, better equipped to address the nation's financial challenges. It's clear that uh, the it is a market friendly choice and considered a relatively safe pair of hands in challenge, challenging financial times, and the market reacted positively. I wonder just generally if you know we're going to see some governments around the world go back to you know, what are considered more stable, financially sound, uh, leaning parties. And, and maybe that's what we're seeing here. Maybe that will be a trend. I mean, it tends to happen historically in challenging financial times. So maybe, you know, that continues to be a trend, you yeah. know, something to watch. Now, the final thing we'll touch on, former Bank of Canada Governor Stephen Polo says the central bank doesn't need to crush economic growth to beat inflation. In an interview Thursday, Polos, now a special advisor at a law firm, said that while there will be some painful side effects to the inflation fight, a combination of prudent policy and consideration of the transitory inflationary effects of the war in the Ukraine could lead to a scenario where price pressures contribute to abate without sending the domestic economy into a deep funk. Now, we can comment on that. Um, it may be already well on its way to that deep funk. So I'm not sure if, you know, if, if it may be too late, you know, comments like that. I mean, he has no power in this situation anyways, but, um, I mean, you're seeing like, uh, prices of commodities come down sharply, particularly even just in the last month that should help, uh, with inflation, but it also is an indication that the economy is in trouble too. So. Yeah, we may already be to a hard landing. Yeah, and I think and that then this another is point that some are making is that though, because the labor market is so tight, that we could actually go into a recession, a technical recession with negative economic growth, but not see unemployment increase, right? Because we're 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 in such Which a tight labor market, unique. Right? It would, would be, be extremely unique. Conditions. It'd be yeah. a very demographic situation where you just don't yeah. have and it's not i don't think it's a good situation for the economy long term by any means but that's that's largely what the what the rationale i think is as well but it just i mean it just depends how how uh how how, how much they have to pound the at the economy to, to to get inflation down i mean right now i know that food is one of the one of the major contributors to inflation and like that's you know that's not something that increasing interest rates is going to fix necessarily so um yeah i went to burger king the other day and spent 30 bucks on i think two two meals so yeah i was yeah. a little taken back by how much i, I spent spend. 110 at churches the other day for uh for the family family of five, yeah so. never admit you went to burger king Brandon. <laughs> what do you mean burger <laughs> king well burger <laughs> king is owned by uh by restaurant um, brands restaurant brands so it's yeah. true. canadian it's company true. it's yeah. true yeah <laughs> 
They all sold uh, Popeyes, and I had some Popeyes this weekend too. Maybe I should lay off the fast food. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here. Aaron's the single cause of inflation. I think that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> just figuring it out. Maybe I'm not helping oh, as much as I should. <laughs> All right, let, let's look at Interjects, your stock, our take. Aaron's going to answer a listener question on this independent renewable power producer. So let's let you take that away, and I'm going to go grab a sandwich. Great. Nobody Thank would know. You. No, <laughs> they would not. Okay. Um... It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Interjects Renewable Energy. So this was from an email um, from Brian. He asked us to take a look at the company. He mentioned that, you know, the stock has been hammered pretty hard over the last year. It pays an attractive dividend. And he wanted to know, is Interjects a buy? So let's take a look at the company and give our thoughts on it. Interjects Renewable Energy, the symbol is INE, trading at just under $15 a share right now. It's a $3 billion market cap company, and it does pay an attractive yield of just under 5%, 4.9%. So what do they do? Interjects Renewable is an independent renewable power producer based in Canada. The company has a portfolio consisting of about 3,500 megawatts of hydroelectric, wind, and solar facilities in Canada, the United States, France, and Chile. So they have a global, they have a global reach right now, but they're primarily still in North America in terms of the, uh, the majority of their portfolio. Um, Canada makes up about 51% of the portfolio and the United States makes up about 33%. Now, the stock has really done very little for investors over the past five years. If you take a look at a five-year chart, the stock price has been actually very volatile at one point. It had hit a price of $32 that was in. Uh, early 2021. But over the past five years, um, it hasn't really moved that much. It's come down about 30% over the last year and right now trading at about uh, 1460. So down by more than half relative to its recent high. Uh, and this was during a period where renewable stocks were very popular with investors and uh, there's a lot of buying in that market. But most renewable stocks right now, particularly the large ones, are going to have stock charts which aren't don't deviate too far from this um, most have not performed well over the last year although um, many have performed at least better over the last five taking a look at the company's at the company's recent quarterly results um, the results looked very strong pretty much across the board 34 percent growth in revenue 34 percent growth in earnings or sorry, adjusted EBITDA. Now, earnings per share, even on an adjusted basis, were negative, uh, but cash flow show, showed very strong growth. Forty-three cents per share in cash flow um, for twenty for the for the second quarter of twenty twenty two compared to twenty-four cents um, last year. So that's that's growth of about eighty percent. And the company has also put out targets for the current year and guidance. They're expecting to grow their production twenty-two percent, grow their revenue twenty-five percent. Their adjusted EBITDA, 25%, and free cash flow per share is expected to come in at about 75 cents, also growth of 25%. Points for consistency. So the recent results and the guidance for the year look very strong. But if we take a historical uh, perspective on interjects, the, the results are not as impressive. And in fact, one thing that I've noticed, because I have looked at the company several times in the past, is that in spite of the fact that it's an extremely acquisitive company, 
They spent a lot of money on making acquisitions. They really have not done a good job historically of growing their cash flow per share or their free cash flow per share. So, uh, you know, some volatility, a lot of flatness. Um, we have seen, we did see, you know, a small amount of growth last year on a per share basis. And then this year, they're expecting um, 75 cents, as I said, up from 60 last year. So this year, if they're able to hit their targets, growth should be good. But historically, we really haven't seen an established track record of growing on a per share basis. And per share growth is really one of the most important metrics that we look at. Um, because you can grow your revenue, you can grow your EBITDA, you can even grow your free cash flow on an absolute basis. But at the end of the day, as an investor, you own shares. So if that cash flow isn't growing on a per share basis, you're not likely to get ahead long term. Company does have a five-year growth plan, which they started in 2021, um, running out to 2025. So they are expecting to have good, consistent growth over the next couple of years. And they're targeting free cash flow per share of uh, about a dollar um, by 2025, and as well as improvements in the payout ratio and improvements in the debt leverage as well. So that would be about 30% growth over the over the expected for the current year um, between 2022 and 2025. Not bad for a for what's essentially a utility company. Now, one thing that's always come up with me when I've looked at interjects in the past is the balance sheet. I've always considered them to have a fairly debt heavy balance sheet, a lot of leverage. This is because they're on one hand, a utility it is a capital intensive business, um, but they're also very acquisitive and they use a lot of debt to make acquisitions. So net debt to EBITDA of 10 times debt to equity of 4.3. Um, I consider that pretty leveraged, although one thing I will say about utility companies, um, because they have contracted cash flow, they can generally they can generally hold more debt and higher leverage ratios um, than other other types of uh, sectors where there's less visibility in terms of the cash flow that they're going to produce over the next couple of years. I also will note that in the past, when I've looked at the company, uh, Interjects' leverage ratios were higher than most of their comparables, which would be independent power producers in Canada and the United States. Although I've noticed leverage ratios tick up in some of the comparables as well, so. Amongst a lot of the companies that you would consider their peers, you're going to see, you know, relatively high leverage ratios. Net debt to EBITDA 10 times, I consider that quite high. You know, what I would consider to be a more ideal multiple for a company like this would probably be six to seven times. And then valuation based on the current share price, based on the company's targets for this year, you're looking at about 20 times on a price to free cash flow basis. So I, I don't consider this. Um, to be particularly uh, cheap or particularly expensive. It's, it's probably right around fair value uh, in the near term. Now, if they're able to achieve their growth objectives over the next couple of years and generate that dollar in free cash flow per share, the valuation really starts to improve and things look better. But based on their, their current level of free cash flow, I would say that this is reasonably valued, maybe even a slightly more expensive than I would want to pay in this market. So what are the pros and cons of, of investing in Interjects Renewable Energy? Well, starting with the pros, we do like the renewable power space and, they, and Interjects has been growing its portfolio. So long term, there's the demand, there's growth in renewable power. Uh, it has stable contracted cash flow. So certainly in, in the event where we enter into a recession, we wouldn't expect a company like Interjects to be impacted as much, nearly as much as most companies in the market really high visibility cash flow. Of course, this supports the dividend, sustainable dividend. They have an attractive yield of 4.9%. Uh, 
Uh, there is potential that the dividend is going to start to grow again. And um, the growth in cash flow per share, it, it, there was a little bit of growth in cash flow per share last year. Um, and that seems to have accelerated this year. So that's a really real positive check mark in the company's favor if they're able to maintain that. That's really what we think Interjects has been missing over the past half decade or so. Uh, the cons, that poor track record of growth and per share cash flow. So they really haven't established a track record while other companies in that space have had a better one um, over the long term. So although it does appear that that's changing, we, we can't be completely confident um, that the company's MO is going to change. There's always the possibility before they, as they're trying to achieve their 2025 target, that they decide to invest more aggressively in something else, which they then say is going to delay the growth in per share cash flow. Um, so we would prefer to, to have seen more of a long-term focus on the per share numbers. Um, there's a high dividend payout ratio currently and no recent dividend growth. So their payout ratio, depending on which one you look at, is about 90% of free cash flow. We would consider that high and no growth really in the last couple of years in the dividend. Um, there's the high leverage of, on the balance sheet that we discussed, although that's not completely out of line with the peers. Uh, and then there's the valuation, you know, not particularly cheap, not extremely expensive, maybe fair value, maybe a little bit above. So finally, what is our take on the company? Well, we do believe that it's a stable company, good renewable power generator, uh, growth by acquisition over time, potentially. We would really primarily own it for the dividend in the near term. If you're going to make the decision to invest in this company, that'd kind of be the base rate expectation would be getting that about 5% yield and then hopefully some dividend growth in the near future. Uh, they should be able to produce growth over time um, through their acquisitions. Uh, that's still yet to be seen, though, if they're going to be able to hit their targets. Right now, things are looking good in 2022. Uh, we would really watch those per share growth figures, though, because as I'd said before, it's one thing to make a target. It's another thing to you know make some progress towards that target in a single year. But we have seen it many times in the past where companies have made long-term targets and then halfway to that target, they've readjusted and they said, you want to know what? We see opportunities to invest more in growth now, so we're not going to worry about the per share numbers. And we, we don't like that. We want to see the dividend grow and for the dividend to grow sustainably, the underlying adjusted earnings per share and free cash flow per share have to grow and not just the overall free cash flow. So Brian's question was, do we consider this company a buy? I think income investors could buy it. I don't think that there's anything glaringly wrong with the company, but I would take a long-term perspective. I don't. I wouldn't consider this, you know, a near-term buy. I take a long-term perspective on it. Um, you know, buy it for the dividend. Maybe maybe start small and and increase the position slowly over time as the company starts to hit their targets. But if you enter in with that base rate expectation, dividend, maybe resumption and dividend growth, um, then any capital appreciation appreciation really just becomes becomes extra. So uh, for me, it's not really a, a buy recommendation, something that I would want to rush out and recommend as a buy. But for somebody who wants to get a nice dividend yield, um, you know, it's something that they can consider. But we would just, you know, generally speaking, looking at this right now, we would probably just consider it uh, a hold and something that we would monitor. So that is my conclusion on Interjects. Good summary. Good. Good. Uh... You definitely more than a summary there. That's awesome. Um, the, summary at the end. The uh, listener got me. their money's worth on that one. That's great. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. For sure. That was awesome. Um, I I wanted to, uh, if any, does anybody have a comments on interjects or are we 
Very good. I was going to say um, Google comes out or Alphabet comes out with its earnings, I believe, uh, either today or tomorrow. Microsoft um, tomorrow as well. Yeah. So yeah. The, we'd expect uh, with Google uh, very tough comparables over the quarter in terms of earnings last year um, and to be slight, to be down from last year in terms of earnings. Cloud revenue should be up significantly, but slowing the pace that we've seen over the last four years. And revenue is expected to rise, but again, at a slower pace. Very tough comparables over the quarter last year. But again, and I, think, I do think a good deal of that is priced into the stock at this point, considering the fact that it does trade at the cheapest valuations we've seen, um, basically on an earnings, real earnings basis ever. So now let's, let's get to our uh, Stars and Dogs segment, Brennan. You have a star and a dog this week. The dog is Pyrogenesis Canada. We've talked about them before. We've interviewed management. Uh, Propel Holdings is your star of the week as well. Yeah, I'll take it away. From our Stars and Dog segment, it's time for this week's dog. Uh, so again, the dog of the week is Pyrogenesis Canada Inc. P Y R on the TSX. Uh, the stock is down seventy-two percent year to date, forty percent in the last month, and about ten percent last week. And right now, it's currently trading at about a dollar eight and has a hundred and eighty-seven million dollar market cap. So Pyrogenesis designs, develops, manufactures, and commercializes plasma processes and systems in Canada, which are geared to reduce greenhouse gases. Uh, it offers its Drosrite, a process for enhancing metal recovery, uh, specifically in aluminum and zinc industries. Uh, it's PureVap, a process to produce high-purity metallurgical and solar-grade silicon from quartz, as well as the company provides plasma torches for replacing fossil fuel burners. It offers plasma arc waste reduction systems for waste destruction, uh, as well the company provides engineering and manufacturing expertise. So driving the decline is a decline in the company's revenue for fiscal 2022 with revenue down 29% from Q2 of 2021 and both adjusted EBITDA and net income remain negative. Plus on October 19th, uh, just last week, the company announced a private placement issuing an additional 1 million shares as the company's strong cash balance, which we have monitored for some time now, has now crept into a net debt position in the last quarter of about 6.2 million and is down from a net cash position of 6.7 million in Q4 of 2021. Now, Pyrogenesis is a company that we have talked to in the past, uh, actually uh, in California when we were there, and the business looks like it has potential, but considering the decline in revenues, its inability to generate profit, the fact that it continues to trade at seven times trailing sales, and the need for additional equity raises to maintain the health of its balance sheet, the stock has declined 80% from its 52-week highs and has claimed our not-so-coveted spot of dog of the week. Great. So declining revenue, no profitability, and trading at seven times sales. Correct. Yes. Right. So just for perspective, you know, Microsoft is trading at about seven times. I haven't looked recently, but it'd be yeah. around there about seven times sales with profitability and a little, little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, in the business. 
Pyrogenesis, interesting technology, you yeah. know, and there is, you know, some blue sky potential in some of those names or some of the, the technology they have. I mean, we, we sat down with management. It is very interesting, but you know, you've been paying a significant premium. I mean, the stock was significantly higher, like Brennan yeah. said, and you know, even now you're trading at very high multiples uh, for a company, you know, that still doesn't have, uh, you know, can just consistent profitability and, or and, profit. And my thought here is that if the technology is so great, then we should eventually start to see that in the revenue growth and um, eventually the profitability, right? So when yeah. you look at a company like this, you know, it, it really maybe becomes a speculation on the technology, but um, it doesn't appear to me like there's any hurry to jump in. So why not let the company validate that technology through financial performance? Yep. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Okay. I will move on to from our stars and dogs segment. It's time for this week's star. star. The star of the week, which is Propel Holdings, PRL on the TSX. So the stock gained approximately 19% in the last five trading sessions and is up about 18% in the last month. Although the stock is still down about 35% year to date, but it has performed well in the last week, which has made it our star. So right now the stock trades at about $8.60, has a $286 million market cap and a yield just over 5%. Uh, Propel Holdings operates an online uh, financial technology company or fintech. Uh, the company's online lending platform facilitates access to credit products such as instillment loans and lines of credit under the Money Key and Credit Fresh brands to American consumers. It also offers marketing, analytics, and loan servicing services. So, what's driving the share price gains this last week? Well, it is the recent announcement on a five-year agreement to become the primary lending service partner with a subsidiary of Pathword Financial, which trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol CASH or cash on the NASDAQ. So the five-year renewable agreement contemplates fee income for Propel by providing white-labeled technology and service solutions for path forward or Pathword's uh, consumer lending capabilities, including customer acquisition services, loan management software, risk and response scores, and credit servicing capabilities. So Propel expects the program to launch by Q1 of 2023 and to be accretive to revenue and net income in 2023 with financial impact growing into 2024. Uh, so obviously the market likes this news, but the company did note that they will release more details in a future financial outlook uh, for guidance. Um, so we can look uh, or wait for that uh, eventually, which management will provide. So fundamentally, the business has been performing well with revenue up 90% in Q2 of 2022 over Q2 of 2021. Net income was down about half of a million, million dollars to 2 million. And on a trailing basis, the company trades at approximately 48 times earnings. Um, but it would be nice to see the company come out with their updated financial guidance uh, so we can just kind of get an idea on the forward valuation here, especially with this uh, new agreement that they had just signed. Um, and as well, just looking at the balance sheet in Q2, the company had a net debt balance of about $67.4 million on its balance sheet. So although the stock is down 35% year to date, 
Its recent positive news and strong share performance over the last week has allowed it to claim our coveted status of star of the week. So yeah, there's not too many stars out there, but I thought it was a decent company to uh, look into. Uh, It actually happened, uh, oddly enough, where we did get a question on YouTube on the weekend, and I already decided to cover it as a star before I even saw this comment. So hopefully uh, that listener is listening right now and kind of gets my take. And he did just kind of uh, compare it to GoEasy a little bit. He said that it was a mini Go Easy, essentially, which is a company that uh, we are familiar with, especially Aaron is familiar with Go Easy. Yeah, of course, that's that's where what I would say is is the closest comparable. So the differences between Go Easy um, and Propel, uh, one is that Go Easy is is considered omni-channel, so they have an online um, online applications where you can access the financial products. You can also do it in person, whereas Propel is 100% online. Propel is mostly U.S. expanding into Canada, whereas Go Easy is is Canada. So some differences to the business, but Go Easy certainly much more established company in terms of track record. Um, great growth, much better performance on the bottom line. Certainly, if you want to just take a look at Propel, I mean, we we sat down with the CEO of Propel when we went to the what was the what was the event that we went to the in Los I Angeles? I think it was I think was it was the LD Micro. Was it no, the LD Micro the LD or Micro. the Roth? Roth, the Roth, Roth, Roth conference. Yes, it was the Roth. So yeah. we sat down with him at the Roth. Um, you know, we've read we've read the company's releases in the past or targets. They've made a lot of very uh, aggressive targets in terms of growth, in terms of earnings growth. You know, for me, I, I still think it's a wait and see story. I'll just give you just an example here. So just in the last quarter, they grew the revenues uh, 90%, yet operating income was flat. So mm-hmm. 90% growth in revenue, no increase in operating income profitability, and then earnings per share, um, you know, earnings down $2 million compared to 2.4. There may be some some things we can adjust out of there as well. Um, but the, the number of shares up 30%, right? So this is so far what we've seen is a lot of great activity on the top line, but that not funneling through to the bottom line. And I know that they said that I, when they grow, when they when they make a lot of new loans in a quarter, it's great for the revenue growth, but it impacts in the near term, short term, it impacts their profitability. So that's fine. But this is another example of how long are you going to let that continue? Are you going to just keep growing revenue at this, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80% plus mark? but then not generate profitability on the bottom or growth and profitability on the bottom line. Um, you know, until we start to see those earnings move up, it's to me, it's, it's, it's still a wait and see show uh, story. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well now we can get to hitting our mailbag and we're going to go to a listener question. Brett's going to answer that on new ran wireless Inc. Symbol N U R and the CSE. For my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. All right. All right. So we were sent in a question from Christian about Narion Wireless, and they were wondering if it could be a potential disruptor, and they compared it to BlackBerry or Shopify. Narion Wireless is down 53% year-to-date and is currently trading at 64 per or cents on the dollar under the symbol NUR on the Canadian Securities Exchange. The company's product is Networks as a Service, or NAS. 
the company's researches, develops, and manufactures cellular network equipment, specifically radio access network equipment. The company is based out of Canada, but its primary operations are in Africa, including in Cameroon, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and has recently installed its first site in South Sudan. As well, it has existing contracts for Namibia, I cannot talk right now, (laughs) Uh, Sudan, the other Sudan, they split off in 2011, the original one. And then more African nations as they're and they are looking to expand into Latin America in the future. The company is currently not profitable. So to evaluate the company, you need to compare the potential versus the potential risk and the current risks. The company offers an extremely cost effective way for rural and undeveloped regions of the world to access cellular networks. Neuron has a goal of achieving 10,000 sites by 2026, of which it currently has contracts for 4,124, and the company has current live sites of 101 and expects 400 of those sites to become live by the end of the year. Some rough math, so not exact by any means necessary, but it's good to to gauge the overall growth trajectory. Using the midpoint of the two most recent contracts, the average per revenue per year site is 20,000 US, which would mean by 2026, and if the company is able to hit its goal of 10,000 sites, it would re- result in a forward yearly revenue of 200 million US, which is quite high to say the least for a market cap of 21 million Canadian. But this is because there's significant risk embedded in the company's operations. Neuron is operating in high risk countries like South Sudan, which was in a state of civil war from its initial sovereignty in 2011 to 2022, with intermittent clashes still ongoing between the various groups. Severe conflicts can and will produce negative externalities, causing corporate operations in the area to be hindered and completely stopped in some cases. Whether something like this will happen and hinder Neuron is just speculation, but being conscious of the regional risk is important. Another significant risk is counterparty. Currently, the lion's share of Neuron's planned expansion is attributed to two contracts with two companies, MTN and Orange and their various subsidiaries. If either of these companies has its own issues or relationships between them and Neuron breakdown, the growth of Neuron would be significantly slowed. Neuron is also needing to raise capital for its own operations as it does not have actual cash flows to cover the current initial building and operations of these sites. It has access to some funding from public development funds, including the European Investment Bank, which is beneficial, but the company may need to dilute equity more, which it has in the past, if it is unable to acquire external funding. And lastly, just on a note on Christian's disruptor comment, I wouldn't call them disruptor as they aren't really disrupting anything. They're building up something new, but I would call them an innovative company, just not disruptors, at least of yet. And I'll open that up to you guys. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I'm noting, I'm reading through, they, they announced, uh, you know, it says a five-year NAS mm-hmm. agreement, $75 million contract. But if you just go down a little bit, it talks about um, the agreement is expected to be the company's second largest in terms of number of sites at, with the potential to generate over $75 million in gross revenues over the course of five years. So um, it talks about 75 million but it's the potential is there to do that so 
you know, we monitor it. Uh, it's a big headline. Will it actually, I mean, we know it, I think in the last quarter, what did they do in terms of revenues? It was in the 300,000 or 230,000. Yeah. yeah. Not much. Yeah. They're very choppy though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're choppy. Yeah. So it can be, I mean, for the nine months, 2.1 million, mm -hmm. but still on the nine months, still losing 5.5 million. So, you know, the, again, it's something we have to watch if they can start to transition towards profitability. It certainly, you know, starts to pique our interest, but you know, we can't, you don't see that in the numbers right now. Um, the contract looks promising, but again, it has the potential to generate 75 million. I think some people see the headline number and think, well, it's 75 million over, you know, four or five years, we can book that and start modeling that. It doesn't always work that way. Uh, often I'm sure it doesn't, whoever so. wrote the headline had that in mind. Yes, of course. So, I mean, it's certainly interesting. We're continuing to monitor it, but that that's a good, you know, picture of where the company is right now financially and your risk to reward type scenario. Uh, there certainly is high risk there. You know, if they could hit those numbers, and get to those revenue targets, I mean, it would be something that would certainly be interesting, but you know, there's a long way between now and getting to those numbers. Yep. I think that's gonna close out our show for this week. Um, we encourage you, if you want to, those tickets are going fast uh, for the live webinars and for the VIP package event uh, that we're having in person. So get those tickets, we'd love to see you there. Um, keep, I can't see, but smash that subscribe button. I'm not even there, but I'm pointing down right now. Smash it. Keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Tech segment. We'll keep answering those questions on a weekly basis. Rate and review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate you doing that. And uh, we'll keep putting out the content on a weekly basis here. I'd like to thank everybody out there and uh, wish everybody profitable investing. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.